0: The following resource is from Christ Community Church. For more information, please visit lovinglord.org. Blessed be your holy name, Heavenly Father. We come humbly before your presence, knowing that you, who are seated on your throne, is majestic in beauty, in honor, and glory. Your servant is asking if you can please grant him understanding, wisdom, and the ability to proclaim your word today. And I pray even for your people, Lord. That may, may we have a heart, a heart that listens, and a heart that is quickened by your spirit. And that my prayer, Father, That at the end, it will cause us to exalt your name and to lift up your Son, our King Jesus, whose name I commit to you these things. Amen. Now, let us refresh our memory. Um, If you remember last year, I preached on Daniel chapter 1 where we learned about the story of uh, four young men who were part of the first deportation to Babylon. Now, this deportation resulted from a siege by Nebuchadnezzar and um, the Babylonians who were God's instrument of judgment. Because we know the story, right, that that the kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of Israel... um, have lived lives apart from God. And so Daniel and his friends who were part of the nobility were chosen to go through uh, training to serve in the king's court. Now they're in Babylon. However, we learned that part of the process was a name change. So the Babylonians changed their names from Hebrew to Chaldean. Secondly, um, Babylon's top professors from the renowned Chaldean University would instruct Daniel and his friends. Top education. And finally, we are told from the narrative that Daniel and his friends were to eat the food from the king's table. Now, if you were in Daniel's shoes, you would think that despite being a captive in a foreign land, you would be relieved because of your potential new status as one who would serve the king. However, eating the king's food was the last straw for Daniel and his friends. It appeared that eating the food that the king himself was eating was a privilege for the captives, but not to Daniel and his friends. Scripture says that Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now, we know the ending of this story. The Lord gave Daniel and his friends favor before the chief of the eunuchs and the steward who was in charge of them to allow them to eat their preferred diet of vegetables and water. God delivered Daniel and his friends as they resolved to honor God by not defiling themselves with the king's food. Now, it's not being a vegan in that chapter, but it's being, honoring God. Now, I have explained that in the, the, that message. The Lord granted them grace by making them healthier in appearance as compared to the other young men. And the Lord gave them wisdom and understanding that surpasses all the known magicians and wise men of the kingdom. Now, as we transition chapter 2, this is actually a familiar setting. Why? Because we have a king who had a dream. Now, this dream is where God revealed what he was about to do. Are you familiar with one event in the Old Testament it's in the book of Genesis remember Joseph his brothers sold him as a slave against his will he was brought to a foreign country and bought by the captain of the Kings guard Joseph was a faithful servant but was falsely accused and imprisoned for many years then the time came when God took Joseph out of prison to interpret the Pharaoh's dream, and the rest was history. We have the same situation here, and as uh, Brother Thomas read to, uh, to us the first half of the narrative, you know the story, right? You, you're reading this is a familiar uh, 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 story, and that's where the challenge is, right? And that we know that King Nebuchadnezzar, beginning chapter 2, that he had a dream, and the king was profoundly disturbed. He couldn't sleep. You had a dream that, that you know, kept you awake throughout the night? I, had a, I know someone had a dream that the 49ers lost. I said, wow, do you need an interpreter? But this king called his magicians, his enchanters, the wise men, and to tell him his dream and his interpretation. Now we know that there's the interaction between King Nebuchadnezzar and his wise men and magicians. Uh, It was unique because the king wanted them to tell him his dream and its interpretation so that he could know their interpretation was accurate. Now Bible commentator uh, Stephen Miller said uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, recognized that his dream was important. The ancient Babylonians believed that dreams were messages from the gods. Thus, the right understanding of the dream was critical for their future. And so Nebuchadnezzar apparently feared that the strange revelation contained an ominous or threatening or warning message for him. Now, after much discussion, neither party could agree with each other. Frustrated, The magicians and the wise men conceded that they could not give the interpretation as they did not know the dream. They said to the king, There is not or no man or not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. On a side note, ancient Near East and even the mythology—they couldn't under, you know, comprehend. You know, that one of their beliefs is that the gods they believe would not mingle with with people, with men. That's why such a profound truth. When you have God in the flesh, and He dwelt among men, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now frustrated and burning with anger, the king commanded his guards, um, headed by its uh, uh, captain Ariok, He says, to to execute all the wise men in Babylon, including Daniel and his friends. What What a tantrum. But a very dangerous tantrum. Because he has the power to say and to kill someone by his word. Upon hearing the news, Daniel approached Ariok, the captain of the guards, with wisdom and discretion, and asked him why the king issued such a harsh decree. And after hearing Ariok's explanation, Daniel went to the king and asked for time to interpret the dream. Now afterwards, what do you think Daniel did? Did he go to some place and, and, and just, you know, Lord, why, why did you, do you allow these things? But then the passage says, Daniel, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery to plead so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon this is one account that you know there's nothing wrong to you know when asking the lord lord please preserve my life but if the lord like an example was earlier we had our prayer the prayer furnace and one of the discussions there were christians in nigeria 140 i think 150 uh, believed to be to have died in the hands of their persecutors Now at night God revealed the dream and its interpretation to Daniel which one of the readings of brother Thomas was that you know followed by Daniel's praise to God for answering their prayer now, I'm not going to dwell much on on, on that prayer but I'll be going back and forth to that but you if I would encourage you to read and read that prayer because it clearly shows and demonstrates to us the theology of Daniel. He blesses God, who is eternal, He is the Almighty and wise, He is sovereign. You know by the phrase he changes times and seasons and he removes kings and set up kings he gives wisdom to the wise he reveals deep and hidden things he knows what is in the darkness i recall psalm 139 verse 11 to 12 psalmist says if i say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night even the darkness is not dark to you the night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you and so daniel attributes all the glory the praise and thanksgiving to god for answering their prayer god revealed to daniel and his friends the dream and its interpretation Daniel's example reminds us of the importance of prayer. Not only praying, but be persistent in prayer. Are there times when you grow weary? Is there a burden that seems too hard to bear? Are you grieving over the loss of your dear loved one? Or probably are you grieving because of anticipating of probably losing your loved one? Are you anxious about something? Are you praying for probably this loved one or a dear friend who needs Christ? It's been a, been a long time already. Scripture says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Another Principle we can learn from Daniel is that he recognized the need for collective or communal prayer. Now there's a hymn that says, tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus alone, right? And then when Jesus said, "Uh, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward but when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you yes but we are also encouraged in scripture to pray as a community this is a great example if you need another example look at acts chapter 2 Daily, they gather, breaking bread, um, studying the apostles' doctrine, and then pray. Yes, we are indeed commanded to pray as individuals, but we should not also forget that God's Word encourages His people to pray as one people. Isn't it beautiful beautiful to see God's people gathered to pray with one heart? I believe that, that um, Charles Spurgeon, who's a you know, known Baptist preacher, it is reported that Charles Spurgeon would give tours of his church building where the visitors would find saints gathered in the basement. It was there that Spurgeon would delight in calling these intercessors the powerhouse or the furnace. I guess this is what where we how do I suspect where we get the name right, prayer furnace, right, or the boiler room. Now this is what he said: a prayerful church is a powerful church, and he follows it up. If God be near a church, it must pray. It must pray. Now, in verses 24 to 30, we go now to the narrative here, the second part. And as the Lord, or after the Lord answered the prayer, Daniel went to Ariad and was immediately brought before the king's presence. Nebuchadnezzar asked Daniel whether he could tell him his dream and interpret it. Remember the response of Daniel here if you continue to read the narrative. And he said, no wise man. That would be very discouraging to Nebuchadnezzar hearing that. But there's a, there's a big but there in, the, in, the, in this verse. No wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the, to, the, to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But... I like that conjunction. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Then he says it to you, O king. um, As you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Daniel was preparing Nebuchadnezzar. But there's a lot here. If you notice that in the passage, the word mysteries, the one who reveals mysteries, and that Daniel did not attribute to his own wisdom, understanding, intelligence of knowing the interpretation, and uh, knowing the dream and its interpretation, but attributes it to God. Then Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar his dream in verses uh, 31 to 36. It says here, you saw a king and behold, this is the dream. A great image. This image mighty and exceeding and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of the image was fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs Of bronze its leg of iron its feet partly of iron and partly of clay as you look a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold altogether were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So Daniel described... To Nebuchadnezzar, the dream, an image, huge, mighty, exceedingly bright in radiance and splendor. The head was pure gold, and we read it. But what's interesting here is that part of the dream was a rock, a stone. And this stone struck the image feet and eventually destroyed everything. The image, according to um, the dream, was broken into pieces like chaff and was blown by the wind. I was looking at some images of, of that, you know, the chaff. Um, and I didn't, you know, in, in, in the Eastern, the Asian part of the world. That's a, a very um, common, um, you know, we do like, before we, um, before we cook rice, I think everyone li- likes rice here, right? So, we kind of sift like that. And, and I saw some images uh, in, in, you know, and I said, ooh, I remember I did that before. And so the image was broken into pieces like a chaff, and was blown by the wind, and no trace of the image was found. It was pulverized by the stone. And that didn't end the, the dream. He says, As for the stone or the rock, it grew and became a great and vast mountain and filled the earth. Three things to note about the stone. Number one, its origin. Obviously, it's divine. You know why? Because according to the passage, it says, not by man's hands. Second, its strength is great. Why? Because it destroyed the image. If you remember how the image was described, exceeding, it's mighty and exceedingly bright but it was destroyed by the stone, by the rock. And then the third observation here is that its scope is global, universal. Why? The stone became a great mountain and filled the earth. Now, we have no time to look at Old Testament references, but I encourage you Go and look for, you know, a, a mountain and how that the, even, in fact, in the, the book of Psalms, there are psalms that, that describes God's glory covering the whole earth. And you'll read that too in Ezekiel. God's glory covered the whole earth, the new heaven and the new earth. So, God, Daniel gave the interpretation. So, the interpretation was that the head of the image was Nebuchadnezzar. And other parts were kingdoms that would follow Babylon. Now, unfortunately, due to our limited time, um, I, you know, we're not going to go through the, um, you know, explaining the, each part of the, the image and its symbolic significance. Actually, it was uh, expounded more if you read Daniel 7 and Daniel 8. But what I believe in this chapter, in chapter 2, is that, uh, of the main points here, that God wanted for Nebuchadnezzar to know. First, we see here that Daniel reminded the king that he was but a steward of everything he had and that God, the God of heaven, was sovereign and that he was the one who gave him everything he possessed, which is power, might, and glory. Verse 37 to 38. This was the dream. Verse 36. I'll read verse 36. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, and then you are the head of gold. Now, if you catch the phrase there that says, um, the God of heaven has given the kingdom to you. And he has given you power, might, and glory. And then the, another phrase, um, it says here, um, into whose hands he has given. So he has given uh, uh, you know, all these things to the king. And so he reminds, Daniel reminded the king, hey, you are, but the reason why you're there sitting on the throne of Babylon was that God placed you there. Remember the prayer of Daniel, verse 21? He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He raises up a kingdom, but he destroys the kingdom. He raises up America, he raises up China. He raises up Russia, but all of these kingdoms will be destroyed by the stone. Second. The sovereign God is the one who raises up kings and removes them. Remember that? And he destroys them. Romans 13, actually verse 1 reminds us of that. And then third, the sovereign God will establish an eternal kingdom that will never be destroyed. if you read daniel that's one of the major themes in daniel that there is this kingdom that will be established and that this kingdom is forever and it will endure forever if you um um look at chapter 4 i'll just read chapter 4 verse 3 in nebuchadnezzar says here one of his you know his decree how great are his signs how mighty his wonders his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation and uh chapter 6 verse 25 26 i know you're familiar with the story of daniel and the lions right So it says here Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. And his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works in signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And then Daniel himself, chapter 7, had the glimpse. And he saw the king. If ever I'll be, I'll be asked, you know, one of the, you know, if you'll be in, in that bat. Part of history, I would love this chapter seven. Because Daniel was given a glimpse of and he's seeing the ancient of days and the son of man. That is a very familiar title if you read the New Testament. Jesus always referred to himself the Son of Man. And this is the Jews would, would, oh, this is the Daniel 7. What did Daniel see here? Okay, Daniel chapter 7. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom, that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The son of man. If you heard remember the preaching of pastor the messianic age that was the inauguration of the kingdom. His name shall be called Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, if you remember that, verse 30 to 33, the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Because it was ever since David that the promise of eternal kingdom will come. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so the coming of the Messianic age, the inauguration of the coming, of of Jesus' coming, and in fact, even when he started his ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. What is that? Saying the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. What's the prerequisite of entering or joining the kingdom of God? He said, repent and believe in the gospel. What is the gospel? You can read that Apostle Paul. Basically, Jesus, the son of God, the sinless son of God, died on the cross. He was buried because he died. And He rose on the third day. And now, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. I urge you, if you're, you're here and have not heard the gospel, or maybe you're trying to shove it off, I urge you, Please, please come to Jesus. Trust Him. So, this is the kingdom that Christ preached. And the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, let us be grateful for those who are members of that kingdom. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Now, um, final, final point here, the stone of refuge in verse 23. I intentionally skipped this because I want, we want I wanted to go for us to go back here of the prayer of Daniel. Um says here, um, remember that after God answered their prayer. In verse 23, To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Um, I was... uh, you know, in reading this, this prayer, what really took my, my, my interest here was in Daniel, it becomes like, you know, it's it here if you notice that um, with the, the, the personal pronoun, you, 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 and then I, I give thanks. And to you, O God of my fathers, You know, that name actually has a historical significance. I hope we all remember that in Exodus chapter 3, that God called Moses to lead his people out of slavery. Now, this is... um, This is how the conversation between God and Moses, uh, in verses 13 uh, uh, 13 to 15. All right, I'll read this. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the, to the, to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Sometimes we just, peer, you know, stop there, pause. But if you continue to read it, it says here, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the same God that Daniel praised after answering their prayers to you, O God of my fathers. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Remember the New Testament that Jesus said, the God is the God of the living? Because he's the God of Abraham. The God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. And so the Daniel, this is... I'm imagining after learning about, you know, hear, hearing from God's revelation about the dream and then uh, uh, the meaning of the dream. It's such an encouragement to Daniel. Why? Because remember, they were captives in a foreign land. He's part of those probably, but still... You're not in your home. They were in a foreign land. They were under a foreign power. They were under a foreign king. Where's the hope here? And so hearing that, the meaning of the dream, the interpretation of the dream, the stone that will crush all kingdoms, Daniel said to you, O God of my fathers, you're the faithful God, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are my God. Did you know one of the promises of the new covenant? That God will give you a new heart? Not only that, He will remember your sins no more. And not only that, you can call God your Father. My God, there's that personal connection there. So, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you, I I ask you to reflect on that. Imagine God as your Father, He knows you more than you know yourself, He can even know the number of your hairs on your head. That's how God knows you. Reading one of the passages in the Old Testament where it says that God has uh, given each star a name and then transition to saying, oh God, I'm just but a worm. But you take notice of me. And so this is where I believe that in this pasture, that Daniel finds his comfort. Maybe, maybe in our Christian walk, we go through some disappointments. We go through some discouragements. We go through some, I don't know. we're so exhausted. You as a mom, you give your best and your, your full time to raise your children with dads. There are some challenges. There are also unbearable trials we go through, we think. But I urge you not to give up, but to persevere. Because we have a lasting kingdom. We have an everlasting kingdom. If you think, you know, you're watching the news, this is very discouraging, right? Let me tell you this. Our king is a powerful, eternal, and glorious king. And he promised that one day he will come. And that's what the psalmist says. You will make your enemies your footstool. Maybe find comfort in that one even in the Old Testament God is pictured as a refuge I'm just praising the Lord for the songs that we sing it's really encouraging and it's really um you know um teaching us reminding us and one of those is the Lord um it's in Psalm 42 we're reminded that God is our refuge in Nahum chapter 1 verse 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. He knows. He knows. Now as I end um, this message, I would end with a song. I'm not going to sing. I'll just read. Just, okay. Now this is, some of you are familiar with, with the City of Light, Right? And uh, the song, The Ancient of Days. Uh, and I believe they got this from you know Daniel 7. It says, Though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one king reigning over all. So I will not fear, for this truth remains, that my God is the Ancient of Days. None above Him, none before him, all of time in his hands. For his throne it shall remain and ever stand. All the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name. For my God is the ancient of days. Though the dread of night overwhelms my soul, he is here with me. I am not alone. Oh, his love is sure, and he knows my name, for my God is the Ancient of Days. Though I may not see what the future brings, I will watch and wait for the Savior King, then my joy complete, standing face to face in the presence of the Ancient of Days. None above him, none before him, All of time in his hands, for his throne it shall remain and ever stand. All the power, all the glory, I will trust in his name, for my God is the Ancient of Days. This dream was actually a warning to Nebuchadnezzar. Because unfortunately, I'm, because of limited time, I encourage you to read the remaining verses. And also in chapter 3, he kind of misapplied the dream. But he learned the lesson the hard way if you would proceed to chapter 4. Eventually submitting to God the ancient of days. And it's a good reminder and a comfort to Daniel and his people that the God of their fathers will establish a kingdom that will endure forever. So the question I want to leave you today is are you part of that kingdom? Are you part of that kingdom? I urge you not to cling to your kingdom Our I urge you to come to Jesus Christ, the King. To receive Him as your Lord and Savior and trust Him in His finished work on the cross so that you can be a part of His eternal kingdom. But for us, who are already citizens of the kingdom, what a comfort and encouragement this is. We belong to this eternal kingdom. Not made by hands, but one that endures forever. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Father... I'm just overwhelmed just uh, going through this passage. Lord, I guess I, me and, and my brothers and sisters here today, at times, Lord, we kind of discourage and we kind of um, just see what, what's happening around us. This is a fresh reminder, Father, And indeed, you are a God who changes times and seasons, who raises kings and takes them out. You are the sovereign, the eternal, and powerful God. You are also our refuge, our very present help in times of trouble. And I pray, Father, that may you continue to encourage your people today that we look for a kingdom that is not made by hands, but a kingdom that will destroy all kingdom. <laughs> Just thinking about being in your presence, Father. And we look forward, I pray, for your blessing and for your people today. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. Christ Community Church is a Reformed Baptist church in San Jose, California. If you'd like more information on our church, please visit lovinglord.org. From there, you can find service times, weekly gatherings, our sermon archive, and other resources. For video content, please visit our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you again for listening.